Well, hello and welcome to Fairfax 50 Plus, a series featuring discussions on issues of interest to residents 50 and over. I'm your host, Jim Person, and our guest today is Phyllis Miller Palombi, a marriage and family therapist who is based in Reston. She's also the Hunter Mill District Representative on the Fairfax Area Commission on Aging. Phyllis is joining us to discuss what so many of us are having a hard time with these days, thanks to the coronavirus, and that is, of course, social isolation. She's going to tell us how this can be particularly difficult for older adults and provide some guidance as well. But first, as we always do, we like to introduce you to our guest. We get to learn a little bit about Phyllis. Now a Reston resident, she is originally from New York City. She earned degrees and certifications from Albert Einstein Medical Hospital and the Hahnemann University Hospital. Earlier in her career, she was clinical director of outpatient resocialization and rehabilitation at Mount Sinai Hospital, and then worked as a mental health specialist at Georgetown University's OBGYN department. Phyllis launched her private practice in 1982, now specialized in helping clients deal with life changes, depression, and anxiety. And Phyllis, welcome to the show. Uh, definitely a, uh, a topic of interest and an important topic for us to talk about today. Thank you, Jim. It's really wonderful to be here and to be contributing to such an important topic that I'm very involved in. A very important topic every day, social isolation, but this worldwide coronavirus pandemic has, has really brought social isolation and um, physical contact and social contact more to the forefront. Absolutely. And, um, you know, certainly across the board, we're seeing it in every age group and everybody's responding differently, but certainly in the um, 50 plus population, it has its own unique series of challenges. One of the things that the commission has been working on is the various needs. And when you say 50 plus, we have divergent groups. The 50 to 65 have a very different set of responses to issues as opposed to the 65 to an up group. Um, so this is a very broad range of discussion, of, of especially in the areas of isolation. One of the things that I was thinking about last night we were going to be talking today is that the difference in the the early 50 group, you know, uh, people could be living at home with um, adolescents or college students and they're in, in that isolation, um, in that home where there's isolation, but they are with people. And that brings up a whole host of other issues that are starting to emerge now that we're going into the second month of this horrible period in our in our history. Uh, very different for people who are above, you know, 65, who may be living alone, and those who are living in other facilities outside the home. So each category would be a different kind of challenge. Yeah, some some days as uh, my uh, college age son is at home now, and my wife and I are both working from home. Some days I wonder if the uh, the social isolation is not more of a uh, a punishment <laughs> since we're all right here together. So as you said, that that leads to different challenges. Is right. there one is there one worse than the other though? Not worse. It's just different because we're <laughs> all individuals, you know, with needs that we have. And I think that the situation that you just described, being home with a child or children, creates, you know, 
a lot of stress in a different way. It forces you to relate to your spouse if you have one in a different way. And if you're a single parent facing that, the loneliness can be devastating and the resentment of the needs that you have that can't be met, let alone trying to meet your child's needs. So I think that, you know, again, I've been getting a lot of calls, certainly during this period of time, to help communication happen, uh, myself included. I have a son whose big wedding got postponed on the oh, memorial weekend, no. and they're getting married next Friday on the porch of my house in Reston <laughs> with just less than five of us, you know. Um, but he and I have never had a moment. It's been a wonderful relationship in his 36 years. And the last two weeks, we have been at each other's over little things, you know, little challenges i mean it's in a normal life right just getting married in itself would bring certain anxieties but the picayune things that have been happening between us and i i tell my you know the parents that i have in my practice that well sometimes we have to be that parent and take the lead even when you're angry or disgusted and and just you know talk to that person and and get above yourself and this is hard for most adults right now to say because they're so needy themselves to say I need to be the parent here and I'm going to call up as I did and I said look I know this is hard and I want to apologize if I have said anything that you know made you uncomfortable and let's talk about what's going on how are you in this time you know are you more anxious than ordinarily you would be and we had a lovely conversation and it was just really helpful you know to clear the air and I think that families have to learn how to do this, you know, by the seat of their pants now. And it's it's very difficult. And, you know, people will get angry, but I'm needy too, you know, and that's true. How do you get your needs met during this time? And that's, so that's that age group. And then you have the older adults who are very isolated, um, there's a project we're starting to work on with, we, we're changing the name, we don't like it. it. It's called Older Orphans. It used to be called Geriatric Orphans and those people who have no family and no support system. So, you know, we're looking at the parameters, you know, of that population as well. So I think in each situation, we have different challenges and different advice you know, um, especially now when people are really feeling shut in, how do you cope? It's, um, you know, it's, it's a psychological process that we all run around. We all have our routines. We go to work, we come home, those of us who work or have hobbies or do volunteer work and getting into your own head is not the norm. You know, sometimes we'll watch a TV program and that helps us distance ourselves from our anxiety. But in this particular time, it's an exercise that not all of us know how to do. Right. I found for me the, the hardest thing is not when I was when I was in the office, I would always enjoy my lunch break because I would always leave the office building and go somewhere for lunch, sit down, even if I was just by myself, which often I, I was, right. but just that going out for lunch 
has been, I think, for me, the hardest thing about working from home because I just go upstairs and grab a sandwich or whatever, and I'm stuck right. in front of the computer for 10 hours a day. Right. And that's, that's when you talk about the computer, um, I'm in Think Tank, and last night we had a meeting, and it was wonderful. I mean, I think on Zoom, there were 36 people. I think we still, as colleagues, that we used to meet once a month, and it was hard with the um, with the screens, the way the screens are, that you have to mute yourself and you can't really interact spontaneously. Right. Like if we were in a room, you know, hand, you know, raising your hand and adding stuff. Last night was profoundly interesting because we were talking about that Zoom and all these things that we'll talk about in a few minutes are wonderful to keep us connected. But there is something that triggered my thoughts and uh, my uh, geriatrician colleague last night, especially about older people, and that is physical connection and physical touch. Uh, there, are, there are so many studies out there. Uh, I remember when we were the early days of New York family therapy uh, training, talking about touch and how infants need to be um, touched and talked to. Mm -hmm. I mean, the talk we know. But the physical part, and in many NIC units now, ICU, that physical hands-on touch is a very important piece. So as we were doing the Zoom last night, somebody was saying the most sad aspect of this, she feels anxious, she can't get projects done, it's like you can't touch anybody. Now, that changes again in the population if you're, you know, uh, isolating in place in a family, you know, you can still hug, you know, come up. And I'm, I'm talking about just putting, you know, holding hands, you know, giving somebody a touch uh, on the back or whatever. Uh, and I'm very concerned. And we started really thinking last night about uh, not just nursing homes, but, you know, people in assisted living, people in retirement communities who are living alone. And I remember that feeling after I was married for more than 37 years. And when my husband passed away, it was so thing. I said, gee, I missed the hugs. You know, I, I was very aware of that lack of that connection. And I have forgotten about it since and haven't thought about it until now. Right. So I think that that is something that we have to pay attention to and start talking about in communities. We hear the term self-isolation or isolation, you know, staying away from people to help spread the, the virus. But you've got a great point. We don't think about what that is causing, the lack of physical contact, which is what humans need so, so much. And absolutely. And this, it, it was actually a frustrating experience on this um, Zoom last night because I was so aware that I wanted to talk to my colleague, you know, over there. In that little square. <laughs> yeah, you know, to, to reach out. So I think if, and I used to be educational chair for this group, and you know, if I were designing it, the next one, and I'm going to write to the group, I think even though it was Zoom, we should have still gone through every square 
and had everybody comment on what they were feeling at that time. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's making sure we are talking to people about this. How does it feel? How does it affect your life? And then if you think about, um, there's a wonderful uh, group home for older people in McLean. And it, they make it like a, a family and a home. And they have people that come in and it could be entertainment. It could be a talk. And I was saying, you know, do the, in that population, do people, do they hug each other? You know, when they leave, is there a, a purposeful way of, you know, walking out, holding hands? Or when you think about, we used to dance, right? You know, and the, the function of even square dancing and do-si-do and right. holding hands, you know, that there are activities that we need to be more conscious about building in again in those populations. Right. This term self-isolation, can we go back for a minute, define it? What, what exactly are we talking about with this social isolation from your standpoint? Well, the social isolation is I have, I have neighbors who, you know, they don't go out. They're in their house. They may have an occasional phone call, you know, with a child in another state, but they have food delivered and trying to follow guidelines. They have not been to a store. They have not been out at all. And even walking, I walk in a group, but we wear masks and we're, you know, we're six feet apart. And um, that was wonderful. And then we all seem to have gotten into a work routine and we're not doing it. And, you know, we really miss that. So I think there is, when you talk about in a certain age group, again, social isolation where you're living alone is different than your situation where, you know, you are with the same people all the time you know, with limited ways of, of interacting. I mean, I'm sure, you know, in your life you went to the movies and, you, you know, you had something to talk about with that. Not that you can't watch TV, but it's like that ability to move away from the regular routines of sitting every day, you know, on the couch. You know, it's like one Friday night doesn't seem like Friday night. You know, right. Saturday night's not Saturday night. Sunday is you know, and, and the church issues, you know, the religious aspects of going to, you know, the temple on Friday night or going to church on Sunday is also, you know, disrupted. And my concern is in the older population, and, and we've seen this, the manipulation of technology that's so comfortable for you, uh, myself included, but not, you know, on the level that I would like to learn about, is very difficult and the older population becomes even more isolated. And that's why the difference in the um, people in their 50s and 60s, you know, the baby boomers, most of them are technologically savvy. But you have a large segment of the population that can't use a computer to open up the outside world. So think about what that person experiences just in their own head and then my concern is the emotional aspects that leads to depression mm -hmm. with that isolation and 
it's not just that. First, the stress sets in of I want to do something. I can't do something. I can't move. And the physical response to that in terms of hormonal flows and um, the things that start becoming very negative in your body because we know that the hormonal flows that are negative uh, processes also increase inflammation in the body and create, whether it's heart issues or, I mean, there are many studies done on cancer and heart disease that talk about, you know, when you, we used to interview in New York, I remember there was a study and I can't cite the study right now, but when you interviewed patients, I said, what was it, what was life like for you at that time before you got diagnosed? What was, you know, what was going on in your life? And the one word that kept on coming up over and over is I felt trapped. And that again is kind of what I'm talking about when people feel that cut off and they feel they have no options, then that stress level in their body creates the kind of inflammation that allows without an outlet, you know, the deterioration of health. Right. And that's what we're trying to ameliorate and kind of work with in the older population, especially, right. but it happens across the board with right. cancer patients, younger patients too. So that mind-body connection is is very powerful. Yeah. So you you've talked about emotional as well as physical problems, challenges, whatever, as we're self-isolating. In the last couple of minutes that we have together on the podcast, do you have any suggestions, any tips, uh, especially for? older adults, what, what can we do to avoid some of these uh, emotional and, and physical risks that are, that are coming with this self-isolation period that we're in? Well, I think each community is different. I think if people live in a group situation or a senior living situation, I think that the recreation therapists or the people that are in charge of programming should be building in some things where people do simple exercises, linking arms in a circle. You know, I started life as a recreation therapist, and then I worked with movement therapists a lot. And just to have other kinds of, you know, simple physical contacts. Everybody leave and everybody go around and give everybody a hug. You know, certainly... We can't, I mean, massage is a wonderful way of helping with that. But again, we can't have people coming into our homes or, or into facilities that we don't know, that we, you know, are not vetted. So that would have been, you know, a solution on another level, on a higher level. But I'm talking about some very simple, practical things in these situations you know, to do that. The other thing, I started a caring community in my community and we're just launching it and we're meeting to discuss that. Uh, there's a wonderful woman in the county, Rihanna Duck, who is talking to several communities who are trying to do this. So I think that, um, for instance, we have a book club and there's, a, there's an 80 something year old woman who is brilliantly intellectual and she's the discussant on a book coming up and she had trouble zooming for the last book club meeting and we were struggling with it and it kind of ruined 
you know, the audio part, I had to put her on my FaceTime. It was, it was a struggle. And so we're coming up to the fact she's the discussant now. So we are all talking about what can we do to help her to be involved and, you know, to be productive. So the caring community, one of the members of the caring community is a tech person. So at least she's going to call the person and at least, you know, try to understand what her barriers are to her computer and what's wrong, right? And this other person is isolating themselves. So would she feel comfortable handing her the computer outside? So, you know, that we need to help each other, um, right. you know, and we need to connect that way. Where we're aware in our community, um, it could be a younger person with a physical problem. But, you know, certainly in the elderly, we need to know who's living on their own and and how we can you know, what the issues are to make their life palatable during this time. We talked about routines earlier in the uh, in the podcast, and uh, maybe it's a, a change of routine that we all need to do to uh, maybe watch some exercise programs on TV or some uh, some videos or some even VH, VHS tapes, which I still have some of, you know, the exercise shows or whatever. Start a new routine where you're doing some exercise, et cetera. I remember Simmons. But there are certain communities that have, uh, because they can't do these programs, they're, they're all online. And I think that's a wonderful idea. It's very hard to do that. I have weights upstairs that, you know, I keep on saying because I yeah. was lifting weights. And, you know, all of a sudden I have little aches or things. And it's like saying, I've got it every morning, you know, I'm going to get up and I'm going to lift those weights. Well, hasn't I'll, really I'll start tomorrow. <laughs> I'll start tomorrow. Right. right. It's very, very important that you have a structured, yeah. structured day. Yeah. Phyllis, final 30 seconds or so, uh, final comment, final thought, anything I didn't ask you that you'd uh, just like to uh, wrap up the show with today? I'm just very um, thrilled that you guys are, are taking on these challenges and thinking about it. And the more we can reach out and talk to people who are running facilities and people who want to come on, who are living at home in a smaller group, and, and how they can better the communication, I think is really, this show can really be very helpful to people to, um, to learn how to do that. So we should really do a segment on, on how do you communicate during this time? How much alone time do you need? And how much talking time, what that looks like, what are the habits, the things you can get into do together. So there are many aspects of this yeah. that we're just getting into now and we're learning about, learning yeah. from each other. Phyllis, thank you so much. We certainly do appreciate it. Well, you're very welcome. It's been my pleasure. I look forward to more discussions. That is uh, marriage and family therapist Phyllis miller Palombi. Great to have her with us today talking about this self-isolation and especially what it means to uh, our population of 50-plus adults here in Fairfax County. As always, you can find county older adult services, community engagement opportunities by calling 703-324-7948 or by going online to fairfaxcounty.gov slash olderadults. When you're on that page, if you'll go to Hot Topics, You'll find online activities such as yoga and Tai Chi classes, as well as virtual activities that you can enjoy at home. 
Also, while you're on that page, be sure to subscribe to the monthly Golden Gazette newspaper and a link to the Fairfax 50 Plus Facebook page. So thanks again to Phyllis for being here. Thanks to you for listening to the Fairfax 50 Plus podcast, which is produced by the Fairfax County, Virginia government.